Welcome back to Lawler Arena on the campus of Merrimack College. A rare uh, Sunday afternoon contest here as Merrimack taking on the Providence Friars. And the score at the end of one period is 2-1. to one, The Warriors leading Providence. I'm Mike McNamara with John Leahy. And uh, joining us, he's not in the house too often, but he is tonight. Adam Morton from College Hockey News. And uh, Adam, first period, a uh, lot of action. Certainly uh, tell a lot of couple of clubs that don't really have a lot of love lost for each other. I, I noticed it was a pretty intense period. The thing that strikes me coming into this game, obviously, is that Providence is the team that broke Merrimack's opening season streak. And uh, since then, Merrimack is 4-5-4, four, and four, I think. So there's obviously a lot that uh, Merrimack wants to prove in this game. I think it shows. Another thing we pointed out before the game, an uh, interesting note being that last year Providence was the only team that won a season series from Merrimack when you count the playoffs because, of course, the Warriors lost in the regular season to Maine two games to one, but then beat them in the playoffs two to nothing, so effectively they won three to two. And then against Boston College, they did win the season series two to one. They lost in the hockey championship and ends up still a tie at two to Two. Providence, the only team that did win the season series from them last year, then and uh, this year, looking at this season, there's only one team so far that, that Merrimack has already lost the season series to. They have a chance. They've already won it against other several other teams like Vermont and Northeastern, or they have a, still have a chance to win it against other teams like BUBC. They haven't played Lowell or UMass yet, but uh, only one team that they've already lost the season series to, and it's Providence. So sometimes one team just has another team's number. I, I don't know if there's enough sense size to really say that there's a good reason for that. I can't think of a particular reason. It's not even like Providence has great goaltending or anything, so it's just got to be one of those fluky things at this point. But, you know, this game will show a lot, and obviously uh, Merrimack's already taken advantage of with one power play goal. You know, it'd be nice to put up a, a couple of more, and uh, you know, Providence could fold up from there. Uh, we, we want to talk to you mainly about pairwise and implications and so on, and uh, you know, maybe try to answer some questions that I know some of the folks out there have had. And so much volatility, even at this point in the season, which, in my opinion, actually, if you ask me, is one of the, the, the negatives of the system is that things can change so much with just the result of one night's worth of games. But uh, I realize there's still about ten games to go in the regular season. Season, but you look at what happened this week. I mean, Lowell, UMass Lowell at one point was third, dropped. They lost to Providence mid, and a midweek game, dropped to something like ninth. And then they win a game against UMass on Friday, and they're back up to third, and they win. They stay there with a win last night. But uh, let, let me ask you the first question then the volatility. Uh, is there a point where this settles down? Well, part of that, obviously, as we've talked about off the air, is that this is uh, a function of everyone looking at this a lot sooner than they used to. Uh, it, it used to be that, you know, there was only one website covering college hockey, and they would publish it maybe at the end of January for the first time. On the other hand, there's also the, because of the, you know, the, just the nature of the system is, is that's what it is. And again, we're seeing it now because we see it. We, everyone scrutinizes it more. But I, I, it's probably always been that way to a certain extent. It, you know, you're not dealing with a lot of a sample size when you're dealing with 20, 25 games. There's also issues with uh, you know if you want to get into esoteric concepts of the pairwise with the uh, you know the, the uh, teams under consideration. It's only factored if you played 10 of them. That didn't used to be the case. Now, so now. 
you have a point in the season where you know your record against teams under consideration passes the 10 team mark and all of a sudden that kicks in and it changes everything so you know those kinds of factors but you know then the final thing is and we talked about this too is that you, you may not have a team this season that finishes in single digit losses so everything is packed up and I know we're talking on the phone the other day you say well wait a minute what about Duluth then Duluth goes out and loses a game to Michigan Tech and, and, and blew a 4 nothing lead on Friday actually got a tie out of that game so and then BU loses twice so I, I don't know at this point I think Duluth has six losses but uh, you know given how tight the WCHA is and uh, I don't think we'll have a team probably with less than 10 losses and uh, that's pretty rare so when we talk about that volatility, I guess the first thing probably is, you know, let's say you're a Merrimack fan, right, and you're watching this. You're probably watching it more closely than you did a couple of years ago, certainly, and, and more closely than people used to watch it. But when you have a given night, you know, I mean, you can, you can go. I mean, coaches talk about trying to manage the highs and the lows, right? Don't you kind of have to do that to some extent as a, as a follower of a team and manage the highs and lows? I mean, you lose on a Friday night, you drop four spots, you, all of a sudden, you know, the sky is falling. Next night, you bounce back, you pick up a win, you jump up four or five spots, and everything's good again. You know, too much information sometimes not a good thing. You know, this weekend, I mean, uh, Cornell actually dropped from 11 to 18 uh, as a result of that. They had only had one league loss, and people were talking about, you know, if they run the table in the ECAC, they could get, you know, a, a top seed somewhere. But uh, they had two losses to Colgate this weekend. They dropped to 18th. I think Union is the only at-large ECAC team right now at 15 or 14. 14, so, um, which is amazing, by the way. Nate Lehman being here, and he left uh, Union, and Union's still doing pretty well. So, but yes, uh, you can't read too much into it. I think if, if you uh, really want to know, you can figure out from the underlying numbers why that's happening. And, and, and you know, in some cases, there might be a reason to be concerned. In other cases, there's not. I'll give you an example. Like Minnesota, for example, they can't seem to move up that much, even though, you know, they're pretty good. They got off to a great start. Yeah. But their non-league record is 4-4, four and four, and the WCHA as a whole, their non-league record is kind of mediocre this year, which is very unusual. So Minnesota has not been able to move up that much, despite the fact that they've had, you know, they just swept St. Cloud this weekend. So if, if that's the reason, then I think there's cause for concern. But if your out-of-conference record is pretty decent, at least above 500, then there's probably other weird fluctuations going on that you shouldn't worry about too much. So it all depends. Now, when you look at the uh, the pairwise there in, in the top 30 or so, and those are the ones that get listed, uh, well, I mean, the 30, 29 or 30, as is the case, because of the, uh, you know, the cutoff, where the cutoff is, uh, you've got cases like almost the entire CCHA is a team under consideration. Even Hockey East, everybody right now, except, I think everybody except UNH and Vermont, is a, is a team under, consider, under consideration. That, that makes every game from here on out that much bigger, doesn't it? Uh, and also what that means is that they're probably going to knock each other out at some point because the team, those teams are all playing each other. Uh, even though because they're strong out of conference, those are the two strongest this year, CCHA Hockey East, uh, they'll get you know four or five teams in the tournament, but it's not going to be seven or eight. Like right, I mean, right now the CCHA has, I believe, Northern Michigan would be in the tournament right now. They're in ninth place in the CCHA standings, and I believe they're 13th in the pairwise. So you've got like seven other CCHA 
PHA teams above them. It's uh, so it's crazy, but that's not going to end that way. And you've got five or six hockey East teams in something like in the top. I think five in the top nine. Right, and at some point, now I mean that's a little more feasible because uh, you know the top half, bottom half thing. But you know when you have when you're talking about nine or eight out of eleven teams in a league, uh, at some point they're going to have to beat each other, especially in like a two game, two out of three series. You know, one, two of those pairs are going to wind up playing each other in a series. When you get down to maybe the top four or five, that might not ever happen. The most they could lose to each other is maybe once in the semifinal of the, of the league championship. So, you know, it is feasible to get five. But getting more than five winds up being impossible in the long run because of what I just said. All right, let's talk about Hobie Baker here. Uh, College Hockey News ran uh, recently uh, a look at, at least at this point, you know, who the top five might be. Uh, so uh, I, I guess first of all, thoughts again, you know, trying to keep it uh, Merrimack-centric here. You guy here in Joe Canada that, that I think is, is uh, you know, when you look at what he's done and what it, what he's, uh, I, I, I guess, meant to this team and the fact that he's only given up more than two goals, I think two or three times in the entire season. He's played every game but one. Uh, kept them in all those games. They're, they're not scoring. They're not one of the higher scoring clubs in the, in the league, but still uh, right up there and, and second or third best team defense in the country. I mean, where, where does a guy like that rank? I mean, I think Kanata's great, and he, you know, he's a very uh, sound goaltender, big, obviously, but you know what? Working against him, I think, is that it's, you know, it's not a cumulative award. You mentioned that, uh, you know, how great he's been, of course, over the time. No, so, but even if you just talk about this season, well, certainly he's having a great year this year, too, but I'm saying, like, uh, it, it may not be, uh, there are some other goalies that are having stellar seasons, too, and there's a lot of individual players with some pretty high goal totals. I mean, I, I love the concept of an award that, you know, does value a cumulative type thing. Uh, the low senior class award has sort of stepped in and done that kind of thing, but um, but nothing as prestigious as the Hobie Baker Award. So uh, right now, our list did not have him in the top five. Uh, I think he was just outside that. Yeah, it's Spencer Abbott from Maine, who uh, we had a big debate about between uh, him and some a couple other guys whether to put him up there. But you know, there's I, a- could, I could see the Abbott versus Kanata debating. Let's say that you're talking about the best guy out of Hockey East. That's a tough call. I mean, Abbott top points per game in the country, uh, leading the main resurgence here down the stretch, and, and then Kanata, you know, top, you kind of got offense versus defense there, and it's a, it's a question of which one you, you value more, I suppose. There's a, and, and Abbott and Connolly, the guy at Minnesota Duluth, both have a lot of assists, uh, set up guys, but there's a couple of guys with pretty ridiculous goal totals right now, and uh, one of them is uh, Austin Smith at Colgate, who just scored his 24th, 5th, and 6th goals uh, this past weekend, and that's uh, unbelievable. We're not even outside of January yet, so um, and I know, you know, he's, he's going to get discredited to an extent because he's in the ECAC, but they, you know, I've got a bias in that regard. So, I mean, I think he's, he's uh, really going to the top. So, you know, there's a lot of competition, and, and there's a lot of good players, and it's not disrespectful of Kanata to say maybe he's not in the top five right now. That can certainly change. I mean, we got plenty of time left, and it goes right up until the uh, regionals that uh, before, you know, people vote. Well, let's put it this way. I have to let you go, but uh, you, you had your top five, and then you had him in the next five. Uh Got a shot at being a finalist? I think he does. Yeah, we got a couple of Hobie Baker voters right here in the press box tonight. I have Shereen Sasky down there from CBS College Sports tonight, and, uh, and, uh, and also at College Hockey News as well. So uh, I think you know it's it's a 
it's it's going to be close only because I think Sean Humwick at Michigan is a goalie who's going to get a lot of uh, popular support, and then Troy Grosnick, who's leading the nation in goals against and save percentage at Union, uh, is also going to get some support. So it's going to be close, but uh, you know he's clearly one of the elite goalies in the country. All right, thanks, Adam. As always, good to see you. And uh, from College Hockey News, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, sir. Thank you. That is Adam Woden, collegehockeynews.com. Our guest, the score after one is Merrimack 2, Providence 1.